that takes some nerve to get up here and do something like that. You guys did great. I think it's wonderful that a couple of GAs led us this morning. And I do have a message for the kids, but I'm going to do it from up here if that's all right. You all good with sitting right there? Good. So, my name, anybody know what my name is? What's my first name? Ron, good job. All right, so most everybody here knows me as Ron, but my real name is Ronald, but hardly anybody ever calls me Ron, but that's on all the important papers that I have, you know, things like that, but when I was your all's age, everybody called me Ronnie, so Ronald, Ron, and Ronnie, but I'm just me, just one person. Do you know anybody else that goes by maybe a couple of names? Anybody like a nickname? Okay, we can talk about Jesus. Yeah. Michaela. Alyssa, is that a friend of yours? What what other name does she use? Ah. Okay. How about you guys? Anybody here known by something other than your official name? Mimi. Nana. <laughs> Luca. Luca. Even better. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, we've got a neighbor at home that's, that's a great neighbor, and his name is Jerry. But you know what people call him? Fox. It's like, what? We'll tell people about our, our neighbor, Jerry, and they won't know who we're talking about because they know him as Fox. So go figure. Kind of strange. What about Mr. Sonny? You guys remember Mr. Sonny? Mm -hmm. Is that his real name? No. No, but he likes that better than his real name. He told me his real name is Lloyd, but he likes Sonny, so everybody calls him Sonny. But you mentioned Jesus. One of the names in the Bible for Jesus is Emmanuel. Have you heard that before? And it means God with us. God with us. Well, it reminds me, a long time ago, uh, we had some Jehovah Witnesses knock on our door, two ladies. We lived in a place where, you know, we were about one mile away from the big kingdom hall. And I think they came and practiced on us because we got them a lot. And so usually I'd just say, <laughs> no thanks. But that day, it was a Sunday afternoon, and there were two ladies at the door. And I'm like, that doesn't even sound right. So we invited them in. And, you know, they wanted, this was their question, do you have a Bible? I said, yes. We just come from church. And they said, well, open your Bible into the Old Testament and read for us out of your Bible what God's name is. And so they wanted me to read the scripture that had Jehovah in there. So, no, Jehovah is one of the names for God in the Bible. But there's Yahweh, and there's the I Am, that I Am. And, and so there's Yeshua, yes. And so... They said, after I read it, they said, okay, so what is God's name? 
which is important to them. What is God's need? And our daughter, Abby, four years old at the time, was hearing this, and she said, God's name is Jesus. And that, out of the mouth of babes. And so I took that and actually preached to them about Jesus. And he's the way to salvation. And you know what? They left. And nobody ever came back to our house from the Jehovah Witnesses. So somebody must have marked us off the list. True, isn't it? You know, one of the things that was important to our daughter growing up and to my wife was the age. So it was so good to have you guys up here. And, and it's been so nice to be in a church that has mission friends and RAs and GAs going on. That was an important part of our life growing up. I was an RA. Shirley was a GA. A lot of you, a lot of you saw a picture of her back in the day. As she was a queen and scepter and, and different things and GAs. One of the things I remember, you guys know the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag? I think that's, that's neat. I, I, I like that. Also, we had a pledge in the Royal Ambassador. Does anybody know that by chance? Does it, how many of you all here were RAs or GAs at some point in your life? Okay. All right, a few. Very good. Well, here's the Royal Ambassador Pledge. I had this up on my wall, and we had to memorize this, and every week we would start our RA meetings with this. As a Royal Ambassador, I will do my best to become a well-informed, responsible follower of Christ, to have a Christ-like concern for all people, to learn how the message of Christ is carried around the world, to work with others in sharing Christ, and to keep myself clean and healthy in mind and body. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this church, and I thank you for the families, and especially for the children that are here. I'm thankful, Lord, that this church uh, is teaching about you, teaching from your word, and that these children are learning. I'm thankful for these mission programs, and I pray, Lord, that some children here one day would hear your call, and they would have a special call in life. And you would send them who knows where in the world, maybe just across the street, but maybe on the other side of the world, to talk about Jesus. And we thank you for them and pray your blessings on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Tom. All right. Well, the title of my message this morning is A Drop in the Bucket. And I thought I might have a perfect illustration right here in the second row. And probably about 9.30 this morning, we might have had a drop or two in the bucket there. Uh, but it's dry now, and I'm thankful for that. A drop in the bucket. So John Piper, famous pastor and author, said this. If you want to hear God speak to you, read his word out loud. I think that's pretty profound. Well, I'd like to start this morning by reading God's word out loud. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 6. And 
we'll read 1 through 16. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes, Then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets of fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, now that just for a few minutes you would uh, take away all the worries and plans that are rolling around in our minds, and help us just to focus on you and learn from your word, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So this is known as the feeding of the 5,000. Did you all know that it's the only miracle in the Bible that Jesus did that's recorded in all four of the Gospels? It's only one. So, I think it must be significant. I think there must be some things that the Lord wants us to know because of that factor. It must be significant. So, what can we learn from this? If you if you want to, you can look. I think the words will be up here from Matthew 14. And we're going to fill in a few more details from Matthew. Matthew 14, 12, we see right there that John the Baptist had just been killed. He had been in prison. You all probably know the story. And we'll start in verse 12. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. 
And they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. I want you to think just for a minute about how devastated Jesus was to hear the passing of John the Baptist. Not that it surprised him, but it told him a lot about the state of the world. And I'm sure also caused him to think about his death that was coming soon. And it says that he wanted to be alone. He wanted alone time to go. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had circumstances of life or, or, or maybe news that you received that just made you want to be alone, just to process it, just to deal with it? Well, that's what Jesus wanted to do. So he headed, it says, to a desolate place to be alone. <laughs> but did that work out for him? Not at all, because he was becoming famous. And people were spreading the word of where he was. And everywhere he went, crowds came. And this day was no different. Although he wanted to be alone, it didn't happen. And the scripture tells us that there were 5,000 men. 5,000 men. But it doesn't tell us how many women and children there may have been. So I've read estimates that easily 10,000 to maybe 20,000 people, 20,000 people came on this day when Jesus wanted to be alone. Now I've got a question for you. Can you put yourself in that situation? I can't with the 20,000 number, but, but have you ever just wanted to be alone, but it didn't work out? You just couldn't get alone. And so... You know, I think if I'd have been in the situation that Jesus was in, I think I'd have tried to hide. You know, I think I'd have turned my boat around, you know, and tried to uh, evade this crowd, or I I'd do something, wouldn't I? Yeah, I think I would try to hide. But what did Jesus do? It says he had compassion on them. He taught them. He healed their sick. He met their needs. I think we can learn first about our God and his character and his nature and his love and his concern for us. Matthew 14, 15 says this. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. I try to put myself in that position. What about you? I mean, what if somebody said, hey, Bruce, there's 50 people here and they're hungry. Feed them. You know? I mean, that's basically what happened, except maybe there was 10,000 
hands out. Ooh, what would you have done? Well, let's look at what happened, and we'll get back to our text in John 6, uh, verse 5. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. You know, I can kind of relate to Philip here. How about you? Any Anybody think that might have been my response? You know, like, uh, what are you thinking here, Lord? And do you all know that 200 denarii, that was like eight months worth of wages. And he said that wouldn't buy but just a little bit. And you know, not only that, do you think there were any um, HEBs in the neighborhood there? You know, no, it says they were in a desolate place. And so, you know, this was some kind of test that the Lord put on Philip. So how did he do with the test? What do you all think? I don't think he did real well. I think he failed that test. I see a lot of, of me in Philip. I think I probably would have failed that test right there. How about you? I don't know if you've thought about that before. You know, I'm not real good at thinking outside the box. So just ask my wife. Now, she, on the other hand, is. So I'm thankful for that because oftentimes she comes up with a solution that I never would have thought of, and it happens time and time again. Maybe you're one of those that can think outside of the box pretty good, and that's a blessing if you are. Rick Warren, some of you all know him, the author of The Purpose Driven Life, he's got a whole chapter in that book that's titled this, Is This a Test? And his answer is yes. Everything is a test. God is testing us. Life is filled with tests, is it not? I mean, all the time. Is God testing you this week? Maybe some of you are in the midst of a test. Maybe we will be by the time this day is over, a test that we never even thought would come because life's like that sometimes. Are you passing the test of life? Now let's move to John 6, 8, and let's see Andrew. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but... What are they for so many? Now, you see, I think my wife might have spied out and seen, aha, we do have something. I don't think he really knew what to do with it, but he came to Jesus with that important information. A better response, I think, than what Philip had. But did he pass the test? Well, he didn't really know how to feed them, did he? He didn't feed them, but he did go to Jesus and say, this is what's here. You know, the disciples still at this point had a lot to learn about Jesus, didn't they? You know, I, I enjoy kind of laughing at the disciples sometimes, like, come on, you're right there with Jesus. 
I mean, he just healed somebody, you know, right in front of you. And it, this shouldn't really be a problem for him. But they weren't quite there yet. Now, how many of you all have heard of uh, a translation of the Bible called the message? Mm, not too many. All right. Well, <laughs> the way in the message the author puts this, and, and this is this is like a paraphrase type of thing. He said, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. And it was, wasn't it? Come on now. Look at all these people. That is a drop in the bucket. Sometimes life makes us feel like that. Like, whoa, we really can't do anything in this situation. So, here is the most important question of the morning. Did Jesus need the little boy's lunch to feed these folks? No? He did not. Because remember, he is God. God with us. And he created everything from nothing. He did not need that little boy's lunch. Of course not. But this is how God chooses to work. He does not need our help. He doesn't need our little drop in the bucket. But he chooses to work through us. He does. So another question. Why? Why does he do that? I don't know about you guys. I'm sure it's not true, but sometimes I'm not real reliable. Sometimes the Lord has asked me to do things that I had a clear sense that that's what he wanted me to do, and I didn't do it. You know, sometimes people are not real reliable. So don't you all think that God could have come up with a better way to work than through someone like me? Or maybe even someone like you. Seems like it to me. But yet he didn't. His plan is to use us. And I have another question. How do you think that little boy who had the lunch that day felt when he saw Jesus feed the multitude of people with his lunch? Have you ever thought about it? Wow. Wow. Would, would you be amazed? I would be amazed. Would you have a story to tell for the rest of your life? I think so. Amazing. Jesus took my lunch and he fed everybody. What do you think about that little boy's mom? Do you think she might have been excited about all that too? We don't know if she was there or not. But I can picture her running, him, the little boy running home and telling her what Jesus had done. Do you think she would have been excited about that too and caught his joy? You see, that's how God works also. He will take our little drop in the bucket and multiply it beyond anything we could ever imagine. 
and he will fill us with joy when he does because we'll get to see him work through us. Have you ever experienced God working through you? Oh, what a joy. What a, an amazing thing it is. God can do amazing things with our little drops in the bucket. Remember the RA pledge that I talked about? That pledge is based on 2 Corinthians 5.20, which says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. There's more, though. Verse 17, it says this, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this was from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself <coughs> and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting, <coughs> excuse me, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What in the world? That sounds like something way beyond anything I could ever do. And you know, it is. Because I can't save anyone. Have you all ever tried to witness to someone to, you know they need Jesus? And, and you've done everything you could, you know, to try to influence them, try to, to bring them along, and it can be frustrating because only God can open eyes. Only God can change hearts. And that's what it takes for someone to be born again and to be saved. I can't do that. And yet it says he's given me, he's given us, the ministry of reconciliation. Are the lost really lost? Think about that one. Are the lost really lost? And what's that to me? to confess that oftentimes I just stop thinking about such. Are the lost really lost? Because it's troubling when you think about what the Bible says about people needing Jesus. And the second part, well, what's that to me? I can't save anybody. Right? I just said that. And yet, God has given me work to do in this ministry of reconciliation. And he wants his followers to be actively involved in that work. And that doesn't mean you have to stand up, you know, and, and, and give a sermon. It, it doesn't mean you have to uh, be able to knock on, you know, a neighbor's door and and just lead them to Christ right there on the spot. It just means you need to love people. 
that you need to show Christ to them, that you need to model what Christ means to you, and let the Lord take it from there. That's a drop in the bucket, isn't it? But God can use that. Even a four-year-old daughter whose name is Abigail, but she goes by Abby, can witness the two ladies who were determined that Jesus is heard it from a four-year-old that day. And I trust that God used that because that's how God works. I want to say thank you to all of you. You all have made uh, Shirley and, and I just feel so welcome. You all have been interested and and wanted us to share about uh, Turkey. And, you know, that doesn't happen in a lot of churches, to tell you the truth. And so thank you for that. I want to pray. This is our last Sunday here for a while, though we certainly have plans to be back. I want to pray for this church. I want to pray for the days ahead. But mostly I want to say thank you for what you're doing here, for your faithfulness working with the children, teaching from the Bible, and being a light in this place. I want to thank you for having a ministry for the needy here. And, you know, I'm sure sometimes it feels like the food that you have available and the clothes you have available is just a drop in the bucket for what the real need is around this place. But yet God can take it, and He can do amazingly, abundantly beyond what you might even think. And I would say that a meal, a, a can, a coat could be what God uses to open someone's eyes and change their heart. Because they see these people up here, they care and they love me and no one else, maybe in their whole world. Does. That's how God works. In verse 13, 12 baskets full of leftovers. God does exceedingly abundantly above what we can even imagine with that little drop in the bucket. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. It's all about Jesus. Give him your drops of water this week and trust him to do amazing things. And I'm going to close with this idea. Have you ever flown on an airplane? If you have, raise your hand. How many of you all paid attention when they were going through the safety stuff? Uh, it's funny to watch. We'll, we'll watch people. We always tried to pay attention. You know, it's like, Okay, this is here for a purpose, but sometimes people are there, you know, they don't even hardly stop to listen to it. One of the most, um, well, the thing that gets my attention is when they start showing that oxygen mask thing. You know how they do that? And they tighten this up, and, you know, that kind of gets my attention. Like, okay, how does that work? How does that fit? And what do they say? In the event of the loss of cabin pressure, 
these drop these masks will automatically drop down. Um, and just because you don't hear it, it does, well, officers use both. So anyway, then what do they tell you to do? They, they say, grab yours and secure it. And then what do they say to do? Then look around and assist those beside you. Maybe there's a child beside you that needs help. Maybe there's, you know, just an elderly person. Maybe there's a person that needs help. So they say, take care of yourself first. And once you're okay, then help those in need around you. Well, why do they do that? Doesn't that seem a little bit backwards? You know, I would think as a parent, as a grandparent, my instinct would be if, if, if one of, you know, or if our grandchildren were on each side of us, we'd want to make sure they were okay. Why is that not good? Exactly. Well, what if I pass out? And, you know, they didn't even, I didn't help them either. You know, that's, that's the reason. So I want you to think about that. Make sure that you and the Lord are okay. A lot of people get stuck right there. They never get past that. There's a term for that. We're the frozen chosen. Chosen by God, but we don't do anything. We're just frozen there. And sometimes that can happen to believers. Because we start doubting our faith. We, we doubt, well, are the lost really lost? You know, there's this kind of this universalism thing out there that, well, God is love, and maybe in the end, you know, it'll all be okay. Sandy's shaking her head. No, that's not right. For me, what that kind of talk is is just excuse because I really just don't want to put myself out there and, and do this work for the Lord. And so I'll come up with excuses like that. Maybe maybe you've done that as well. But what we need to do is just take the Lord at His word and just trust Him and get that doubt gone as a thing of the past and just be thankful that the Lord has saved us and settle that with the Lord. And then we can help the person in need who might be right beside us. Because there are people in need everywhere, in need of a Savior. And the Lord wants to use our drop in the bucket to reach them. And if you'll let him, you'll be blessed. You'll have joy like you can't imagine. Have you ever had the opportunity be a part of someone coming to Christ, to be born again, and to see God do that. If you have, the Lord has, the Lord has blessed us in, in that way. I hope He has you too. It, it's, it's exciting. It is a joy that you can't get really anything like it else in life. And it's there. So I just want to encourage you. Keep plugging away. I know it's difficult. And as all us winter Texans leave out on you guys, and you all are here, and you're still waiting on the pastor to come, and, and those things, there's going to be some tests in the days ahead, no doubt, for you all. And we'll be praying for you to the end. Thank you. So,
I'm going to turn this over to Brother Marco and let you close us out. Brother Ron, um, thank you for your work here and sharing the word this morning. Absolutely love it. Great hearing the gospel. Thank you, Tony. Um, Miss Annie's going to come up and lead us in our um, invitation song. Um, if you've never made that commitment to know the Lord as Savior, Master, as God, which is exactly who Christ is, then you have an opportunity. I'll, I'll stand right here. Brother Matt, sits down here in the aisle. You have an opportunity to come by and we'll pray together um, to begin on that walk with Christ, to be born again. Uh, maybe you don't have a church home and you'd like to join our church. You're more than welcome to come down, meet with me, meet with Betty Joe or Miss Katie. And we, we'd love to get you plugged in as a member of our church and as a participant in all the ministries that we have here. Maybe you just had a really bad day or a bad week. This week's been a bad couple years in your life we would love to pray with you we love you so much and, and we're here for anything you need and uh, i'll be down here and you can come you can come and we can pray together so would you stand as we sing an invitation song and you respond as the lord leads you to this morning